0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Dana Perino, and this is Perino on Politics. All throughout the 2024 Republican presidential primary race, former President Donald Trump has maintained a strong and commanding lead. He's never set foot on the debate stage. That was a part of his strategy, and it has worked. And according to the latest Fox polls, his lead is growing with support for the former president standing at 69% amongst Republican primary voters. And while the early voting states like Iowa and New Hampshire, they play a very key role... To determine whether or not a candidate's name appears on the ballot in November, other states, swing states, have a great influence over the outcome of the presidential election. Pennsylvania is one of those states, and with issues like inflation, crime, and housing at the top of voters' minds, just how will Pennsylvania swing? Well, joining me today to discuss just how important swing states are, in particular Pennsylvania, is Rich Zioli. Rich is a former GOP strategist and host of The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Rich, welcome to Perino on Politics.
1: Dana, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much. I've, I'm excited about this for several reasons. I love learning from you. And I, want, I wonder if you could just talk at sort of the 30,000-foot level about how important Pennsylvania is to either party going into 2024.
1: Yeah, I think it's must win for sure. I really do. And the suburbs outside of Philadelphia, the collar counties, as we call them, that's always the battleground. And it's been trending Democrat for years. But you also have places like outside of Pittsburgh and that whole part of Pennsylvania, you know, the red part that James Carville once famously said, it's Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and Alabama in between. Uh, Mm -hmm. solid Trump country, solid Republican voters. And there's no doubt that with obviously the presidential race, U.S. Senate race on the ballot, uh, it's important, It's a, and there's a change going on. I mean, even Senator John Fetterman over the weekend came out and said, look, I'm not a progressive. I'm I'm breaking with my own party on a lot of issues. I think he sees it too, and he's a guy that was from Braddock, and he was the mayor, and he tried to be you know, a guy who was with the union guys and everything. These voters think the Democrat Party has completely abandoned them, and even if the suburban voters went with Biden in 2020 because they didn't like Trump's mean tweets or it was COVID or whatever it was, I I think it's just the economy is now caught up to them and they've realized now that they are they are struggling. They really are.
0: So do you hear that from Republican Mm -hmm. voters and Democratic voters or Pennsylvania being a swing state? You have swing voters. So, for example, somebody who might have voted for Trump in 2016, but then voted for Biden, even if it was reluctantly in 2020. Now they're thinking, gosh, maybe we just have to go back and have President Trump again.
1: Yeah, because they're they're hurting. I mean, Pennsylvania, there was a story recently, Dana, that grocery prices in Pennsylvania have gone up higher than any other state in the region. So we're paying about six percent more for groceries now compared to Virginia. People are also not able to buy houses anymore. I mean, there's just no inventory for homes. First time home buyers can't achieve the American dream. And if you have a house, you're very reluctant to sell it. I mean, you see the empty shelves behind me. We just bought a new house. But yeah. I mean, we went from a really low interest rate to a high interest rate. We did it because it was a good opportunity and, and good schools for the kids. And we're, we're blessed to be able to do it. But a lot of people can't. And so they're, they're, they're stuck in, these, in their homes. Uh, when homes get on the market, they are so much more expensive. I mean, middle class homes that we grew up in are now going for close to a million dollars in this region of the country. You have people in cities who would love to move out and start over in the suburbs, get good schools, get away from the crime. They're trapped. And the the crime situation in places like Philadelphia is just getting worse and worse. We just passed a a law. uh, You can't wear ski masks in certain parts of the city, you know, ski masks, because that's going to really solve the crime problem. Mm. And people want out and they can't. And I think that the housing market issue, too, in this region is going to play a big a big role in this as well.
0: I know that you know Pennsylvania is such a large and diverse state in many ways, even with different types of industry
1: mm-hmm.
0: all throughout Pennsylvania. But I noticed today, Selena Zito, one of your our friends, of course, your friend, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, she writes out of Pittsburgh. She said, "Will the last steel worker out of Pittsburgh please turn out the light?" And she talked about basically the end of an era of U.S. steel. And I there, I can't remember the name of the most recent plant, but No longer in U.S. control or or owned by the U.S. And Mm -hmm. so that has changed Pennsylvania a lot as well from when even my former boss, President George W. Bush, when he first ran trying to win Pennsylvania, you know, coal jobs are super important to that state. Are they still?
1: No, because there's been a war on coal. I mean, that's the thing. The Obama administration started this war on coal and Pennsylvania voters in 2016 went with Trump because he went to those coal towns and he talked about this. If you as you read the article, I'm sure you saw that she mentioned there was at one point a, a big plan to expand U.S. steel outside of Pittsburgh. But it fell through because of environmental concerns. Mm-hmm. So they had this big investment they were going to do, massive investment, more jobs and more security. And because of the environmental concerns, it it went it went away. I think a lot of workers feel that the Democrat Party has decided to side decide with the green energy deal over them. And it was something Trump talked about a lot in 2016. He would go to these places and he would say these these abandoned towns, these once thriving communities, they're now dead. They're desolate because of the war on coal. And and then exporting jobs. I mean, this the steel thing is a big part of that, right? And Selena Zito writes about how U.S. manufacturing and environmental issues and all the other reasons why these jobs are gone and the production's not there anymore. Again, something Trump captured in 2016 when he went out there. And I remember back then, Dana, there were union guys calling my radio show on a daily basis, union guys, union women over and over saying we are bucking the party bosses. You know, we are bucking the union bosses. We're going with him because mm-hmm. he's actually going to fight for our jobs. And the Democrat Party's not, and we're tired of suffering under them. You also saw it. I know you're obviously a huge sports fan. Yeah, because obviously. When Dana reads sports, it is my favorite part of the day. <laughs>
0: Thank
1: you. Uh, you. By the way, you and I would probably we we could never do a sports podcast together because I know even less than you. If oh you can wow, believe that. that's saying yeah. something, Rich. I know, I know. But the Steelers are the team up there. I mean, that is Steel Country, right. Coal Country, and then let's not forget natural gas too. Yeah. There's been talk of having a big liquid natural gas export station outside of Philadelphia. Be great for the region, be great for jobs. We could be selling our natural gas to the world instead of people buying Putin's, for example. But it's not going anywhere because the Democrats are fighting it because of the environment.
0: So then let's talk about the other Pennsylvania part of the equation, and that is President Biden. He spends more mm-hmm. time in Philadelphia than any other city except for Wilmington, Delaware, or wherever he has the, the the beach house in in Delaware. I know that the campaign headquarters is in Wilmington. Is that right? I think I have that right. Yes. But yeah. he goes to Philly a lot. And, and many mm-hmm. presidents do, especially Democratic presidents. They'll go to Philly. It's the closest hop from D.C. So you can look like you're going out and going to see the people and doing things. How is Biden perceived in his home state of Pennsylvania? He never lets us forget he's from Scranton. Right. His popularity is not great nationally. How is it in Pennsylvania?
1: I think it's the same. Mm. I think there's just no enthusiasm. And you have a problem here where you've got a lot of moderate voters who I think really don't like Trump personally. I think they, they really just don't like him. But they don't like Biden either because they don't feel like Biden's delivered for them. So they're in a trap. And I think if it comes down to that, where they don't like either of the two candidates personally, they don't feel as if Biden's delivered for them. They also really do question his his age and, and his ability. I think they wonder about the Hunter Biden issue, the corruption. I mean, maybe it's still at this point something that people who really follow politics talk about. But there are a lot of people that are wondering now how much truth is there to this. So Biden's image in 2020 when he ran, which was this guy who was, you know, uncle Joe in the basement, no mean tweets, unite America after the pandemic and and hug everybody and bring us all together. I mean, that image has been kind of shattered by that, which is why I think they worked so hard to cover up the Hunter Biden laptop when it came out, because the truth on that laptop would have destroyed that narrative about Joe Biden being this kind of saintly guy with all the ties to his son's business, potentially. And I think that people are just feeling the effects of the economy to such a degree that they're just going to have to go in there and make a determination, say, I don't really like either of these two guys. I, they may, I may not want either of them. I, obviously, leaving out the hardcore Trump supporters, I may not want either of them to be the nominee, but it I'm stuck with what I have. And I got to make a choice about what's better for my family economically. You just don't see the enthusiasm for Biden there, even when he has events. I mean, they get people there because the unions will get the people there, obviously but you don't hear it. You don't feel it. You don't feel that sense There's no of- th-
0: No one's slapping bumper stickers on their cars excited right. about Biden-Harris. Yeah. Right. I also wanted to ask you in the last part of this first segment, before we take a quick break, about the anti-Semitic attacks we've seen, especially in Philly yeah. uh, since October 7th. And there was that one example of Goldie's restaurant mm-hmm. being attacked. And I immediately said- Biden, who has stood as firmly as I think he has been able to on on Israel, it wouldn't be necessarily how I would do it. But he has stood firm with Israel, even though he lets his administration back channel anonymously about Israel backing off. But we have a problem with anti-Semitism in America. Okay, so then you have the president of the United States. Philly is his town. He is supportive of Israelis. He doesn't want this to happen to them. You have this attack at Goldie's restaurant. I said, he should go there to lunch tonight or he should go to dinner. And they don't seem to be nimble enough to take advantage of opportunities like that. And I'm just curious, maybe you could talk about the anti-Semitic problem there. How big is it? Maybe I'm just focused on that one particular anecdote. I know it's been happening all across the country, but it seems not good in Pennsylvania.
1: No, Danny, you're exactly right. And you talk about missing out on opportunities. I mean, the Democrat governor, Josh Shapiro, rushed right to Philadelphia to condemn it as anti Semitic, to stand with Goldie's. And this is a guy, I mean, the guy that we're talking about here who owns the restaurant, the chef who has a number of restaurants, is a Democrat. I mean, he's he's a a Biden supporter. But there is a feeling that within the Democrat Party, you've got such this anti-Israeli caucus and Biden is trying to play it both ways. And he's it's absolutely missing out an opportunity. People see it. It's very, very real. They just shut down 676 in Pennsylvania last week in Philadelphia, which is a major artery for people to get home. And these pro Gaza protesters shut it down for hours. And people see this and they're angry by it and right. they're annoyed by it. And you Biden may say things, but people also see what you just pointed out correctly, the back channel communications, telling Israel what to do and bossing them around and and trying to tie their hands behind their back. While at the same time, giving Ukraine absolutely no parameters. People see that, too.
0: And then you had the president of Penn mm-hmm. resign. She was the only one of the three that testified yeah. in front of Congress about anti-Semitic problems at on campuses. Has that had a lasting effect in terms of media attention in the state?
1: Yeah, without question. And the donors were the reason why. I mean, a lot of donors came out and said, I am I'm done. If you don't get rid of her, I'm out you will never get another dollar from me again. You had people pulling away major, major donations that they had pledged to the university. And you had a lot of people who were alumni. You had law professors. There there was a lot of outrage that was happening within the community around here. People saying, I don't want to be associated with this school. Something has to change right Mm -hmm. away. And now that now that the president's fired, it's still not over yet, because within the board of trustees, there's a lot of conversations about how did we get to this place? Right. And people are skittish about the fact that their their company or their name is going to be associated with this. They don't they don't want anything to do with it. You lose the money, people. And then, you know, you're done.
0: Money talks. All right. We'll be right. right back with more Perino on politics. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. And we are back with Perino on politics. Rich, I want to ask you about the state of the Republican Party and the big Senate race to come in Pennsylvania. The state of the Republican Party in Pennsylvania. Because in 2020, it was kind of a mess, if I can say that. Yeah. Because you you came on America's newsroom and you helped me understand like if it's a mess. And there was that super very divisive primary between Dr. Oz and Dave McCormick. Mm-hmm. How did the Republican Party of Pennsylvania coalesce quickly around Dave McCormick as its Senate candidate for twenty twenty four?
1: Yeah, it was remarkable, right? McCormick was able to lock everybody down. The party got behind him. I think they learned a lot of lessons from that primary. Just such a waste of money and so much blood in the water, and people were just – and they just said, we can't do this again. We mm-hmm. we have to we have to be united. McCormick's a smart guy and he was able to to make a lot of friends during the whole thing. And the fact that Oz lost and a lot of people said at the time, well, you know, back the wrong horse, certainly put a lot in Dave's favor. And he was just everywhere. I mean, he just went to things and he showed up at dinners and showed up at events. And yeah, was it's like he didn't support.
0: stop doing that as soon mm-hmm. as he lost the primary. In fact, he tried to help Dr. Oz win. He did. And then he stayed very involved. And I think it's because he loves his home state. But he's up against an incumbent, Senator Bob Casey, who's, I guess, I wouldn't say he's popular. It's interesting to me how many people in Pennsylvania seem to kind of barely know his name.
1: He's kind of a ghost. We always joke that you only see him when he runs for re-election and then he disappears for six years. You know, and then if you see a shadow, we'll have six more years of a (laughs) Senate race. It's just a guy's just nowhere. And and even now, there's criticism in the local Pennsylvania political stories that are being written about where's Casey on this anti-Semitic issue? Why isn't Mm -hmm. he coming out more forcefully condemning this? Why isn't he more forcefully standing with Israel? He wasn't anywhere near Goldie's either, Dana.
0: That's so surprising to me. Although I did see that, um, and I'm just reading this a little bit cold, but there was a report out today, this morning, that Casey's being criticized for ties with Islamic group with record of anti-Semitism, and that would be the Council on American Islamic Relations. How does he respond to these points? There's criticism of Bob Casey on this particular issue. Does he ignore it? It's a problem for
1: him if he has a primary challenge, right? I mean, the Democrat Party has embraced this kind of anti-Israel coalition in their ranks. You see it with Rashida Tlaib and Pramila mm-hmm. j Powell and Ilhan Omar. It's part of it. So if Casey were to get a challenge from the left, he'd, he'd have to do some sort of a dance here. And that's a real statement on the Democrat Party in general. And this is why I think when you people always like to say, well, the Republican Party is viewed as very extreme, not really. I mean, James Carville's group did that that poll recently and the New York Times wrote an opinion piece about it, saying it's a grim reality. And a lot of voters were finding the Democrat Party's more extreme. You have a lot of extremists in the ranks. This issue with Israel has made them front and center and people have been very like they recoil by a lot of the comments and statements that uh, these democrat members are making but like any anything else if you get a primary challenge from the left you 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 have to be able to do that dance i wonder and i don't know but i wonder if casey's worried about that i, I wonder if, if there is a, a feeling that he could get a primary challenge because otherwise it makes no sense you're running in a general mm-hmm. election stand with israel it's pennsylvania you have a large jewish community stand with israel it makes no political sense right
0: I know that Donald Trump had been quite critical of Dave McCormick in the primary when he was when Trump was supporting Oz over McCormick. I would imagine that this time around, President Trump will probably lay off or even maybe even be supportive of Dave. Do you read it that way?
1: I do. I, I do. And and Dave was he, he had close alliances with Trump's campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, originally it was Jared Kushner who was making introductions for Dave within Pennsylvania and his wife worked for Trump as well. So I think that Trump will will absolutely embrace him. Th- the goal would be to have a unified ticket in Pennsylvania running full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. And then the lackluster enthusiasm for the Democrats. Nobody's going to be excited about Biden. Nobody's excited about Casey. So they're hoping that that excitement wave will will help both of them. And I've, I think the fact that McCormick has the military background, he was in the 82nd Airborne, uh, he's a veteran, he's a West Point graduate, I think all those things will help him as well. And the fact that the attack against him is going to be, all right, he's not really from Pennsylvania, but at
0: right. this
1: point now he's been running so long and he's been there that I think that attack goes away. It's just going to come down to the issues for them. And then turnout. And this is where we get into the question of turnout. There's a lot of malaise among Democrats right now. They're not enthused. What about the Republicans, though? If they have to, if the ones that don't like Trump have to have to have Trump, because it's just, at this point, the leadership is insurmountable. Will they overcome that and come out for him? I have to think they will because of the state of the economy and they wouldn't want four more years of this. But I don't know. There there still seems to be a number of people that pride themselves on coming out and saying, if it's Trump, no, I'll still be never Trump. I don't know what kind of effect that's going to have yet.
0: Is there a abortion related referendum on the ballot in 2024 in Pennsylvania?
1: I don't think so. I don't don't think it's going to be on the ballot, but I I do. And that could change. But I do think it's going to still be an issue. No question about it. Uh, There's a lot of in the last race for Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, the the woman who was a Republican who was running was attacked viciously for being pro-life. And you had NARAL and Planned Parenthood, all these other groups spending all kinds of money on her. And she was forced to go on the campaign trail. All the time, and say, "I'm running for Supreme Court. I, I, I have no control over this. It's up to the legislature. It's not up to me." But it really did become an issue for her in that race. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it became an issue because it's a court seat, and it's low turnout, and the people can directly tie the the decision overturning Roe to that. But in terms of the of the general election vote in Pennsylvania. I do think it's still going to be an issue. I don't think it's as doom and gloom as other people say. I mean, to hear some people say Republicans will never win again because of this right. issue. I
0: don't, I don't, I don't agree think so. with that. I don't believe no. that. Yeah. All right. We are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Perino on politics next. <laughs> Welcome back to Perino on politics. I wanted to ask you two main questions in this last block. The first one is, how has Pennsylvania dealt with or not the rules around voting? Mm-hmm. and voting integrity that was a big focus of 2020 during covid are things going to be better will people trust the result in pennsylvania in 2024
1: no it's not going to be better because they wow. still have unresolved issues around the ballots whether or not a ballot has to be dated as the law says whether it has to be signed as the law says and mm-hmm. whether it has to be postmarked by the election day like the law says and what the pennsylvania supreme court did in 2020 which is not something that's that, that there's any conspiracy involved. And they did, they extended the time, the matter and place of the election. They did all this on their own. And these issues are still unresolved going into 2024. You also have the other factor too, which is that there's still within the Republicans, this this they don't want to embrace drop boxes, early voting and mail-in balloting. That has to change, that perception has to change. I say it all the time on my show. If Republicans don't take advantage of every opportunity to get the vote out early, they cannot just rely on Election Day anymore. We have they have to do exactly the same thing the Democrats are doing. and We have to get people to the polls early. But there's still such reluctance because they don't believe the process is pure. They really do believe it's right for corruption. And given what we saw in 2020 in Pennsylvania with what the court did, I can see that there were there were ballots coming in that had no postmark or the postmark was eligible, ballots that weren't signed, ballots that weren't dated. And the court said, you have to count all those ballots. And you had some close elections around the Commonwealth that people don't even really talk about nationally, where at night one candidate was winning, the Republican. And by the morning, the Democrat had won because of the mail-in ballots. And a lot of people said these ballots should not be counted. So that issue has to be resolved. How I don't will that know get resolved? By- is that a court issue? Yeah, It's a court and a legislature issue. I mean, you, you you have the legislature trying to double down on saying that this is the way it has to be. But Josh Shapiro and the Democrats don't want to see any real changes and it's 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 still making its way through court in various battles. But mm. now the Democrats are in control of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court again. So I don't see it changing. And mm. I, I still see the court extending its reach well beyond uh, uh, well and above and beyond what it uh, should be doing under the law. And I don't see the legislature really getting its arms around this because mm. it's benefiting the Democrats right now. Obviously,
0: I have a friend and colleague who is very skeptical about Pennsylvania for the Republicans. And in particular says there's just so much corruption in Philly. Yep. And I'm just curious, is that something that's become sort of one of these things like in Chicago, dead people vote. In Philly, it's always corrupt. I mean, is it as bad as that or is that overblown?
1: No, it's bad. It really is bad. Everybody knows it. It's Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's like Jersey, too. It's kind of the same thing in (laughs) South Jersey. Everybody knows it's there. Everybody knows it's real. They don't know what to do about it. But it's definitely real. It's it's not it's not a, a joke. Mm-hmm. It's just that the the machine controls everything to such a degree. Mm-hmm. And it there's so many opportunities for people to cast a ballot more than once or to but cast so a ballot late.
0: Given that, can a Republican win statewide in 2024 in Pennsylvania?
1: Yes, yeah. If they if they uh first of all, we need a lot of good election lawyers, but they have to start spending money, getting people convinced that the process is gonna be safe. If we go into this and say, yeah, nobody can win, it's corrupt, then we're just, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. And unfortunately, there's still people that believe that.
0: I mean, that's one of the reasons Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has that title. Mm -hmm. They were told, people were told, it doesn't matter if you go out and vote. Okay, so the last thing I like to ask is, when you're unpacking boxes and your brain is wandering what do you pay attention to that I might be missing out there?
1: I pay attention to what my friends who are moms tell me about the state of the schools and okay. what the big issues are in the schools. And it doesn't get a lot of national attention, but they are very concerned about curriculum. The transgender issue in sports is not something that people realize, but a lot of suburban moms and dads, too, are, are concerned about this. They, they do worry about their kids losing out to biological males on teams. It's not something that people have translated yet into politics, but I see these issues locally in the school board elections and it's all coming out. They are concerned about the curriculum. They are concerned about COVID mandates down the road. And I think Republicans would be very wise to tap into that and to start appealing to people that otherwise may not be involved in politics or otherwise may not be politically motivated. But when it comes to their kids, they may have very conservative opinions on things. If Republicans can find a way to tap into that, they will do very well.
0: That's really interesting. And I'm sure that we'll be seeing a lot of you, I think, as we go so. forward on America's Newsroom or elsewhere. I always where can love people, coming on, so anytime. Where can people listen to you or find out more about you and follow all of your great work?
1: Thank you, Dana. I'm on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And of course, uh, Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia. I'm on every day from three to seven and people can listen live on the Odyssey app or get the podcast wherever they get their podcast.
0: All right. We have one last thing you have to do. This is the trivia part. You get to choose between three possible categories. So the first one is candidate LinkedIn, campaign slogans or presidential pets.
1: Okay. I'll do campaign slogans, please.
0: Okay. He kept us out of war, was this candidate's campaign slogan. It's multiple choice: A, Woodrow Wilson, B, Jimmy Carter. Well, that's hilarious if that would be true. And C, <laughs> Franklin D. Roosevelt. <laughs> uh, he kept us
1: out of war. Uh, well, let's see. I mean, they all basically got us into war at some point. So uh, I'll say it was uh, Roosevelt. Uh, early on
0: close actually it was Woodrow Wilson it was Wilson early on, because despite the slogan the very following year is when yeah. he made the request to Congress to declare war against Germany
1: ah I was so close
0: that was so close that's a t- that was a tough that was a tough one because they
1: both kind of played that game early on and they term, sure did
0: so. I loved having you on Rich and I hope to see you, you again soon on America's Newsroom and Perino on politics thank you thank you